0: I do this a couple of times a week you can find these at itunes any place you get podcasts also at heidiharris.com i also do a live radio show five days a week 6 a.m to 9 a.m on kmzq that's am 670 kmzq in las vegas as you know las vegas has been hit harder than just about any place when it comes to the number of people not necessarily the number compared to other states but the sure volume of folks uh, who have been unemployed. I mean something like 90% of the hospitality industry is out of work. That doesn't even count all the people in shows and all those kinds of things. So it's crazy. And I've been following the unemployment situation. Some people haven't even got their unemployment. What's going on with gig workers? I mean, it's nuts. Sabrina Hudson joins me. She's a business reporter from the RJ. That's the Las Vegas Review Journal, if you're not from Las Vegas. She's been writing on these unemployment stories and this craziness that's gone on. I mean, all of us are living in a whole different world, right? She had a chance recently to speak with Heather Karbulik, who is now running the unemployment division, and kind of get a feel for what's going on. She brings us an update on the unemployment situation. Sabrina Hudson, welcome to The Heidi Hare Show. Thank you
1: for having me. It's
0: really, really tough times that we're living in, I know, and you've been trying to keep up with it. That's how I feel. I feel like sometimes I'm in, you know, those one of those things where it throws the ball at you like a baseball thing, and then all the baseballs keep coming at you, and you can't, you know, you can't keep up with the batting. Is that how you feel some days?
1: Uh, I pretty much feel like that every day. It's a lot. It's, everything's always changing. You think you're caught up, and then an hour later, it's something else.
0: Now, you had a chance to speak with Heather Korbuluk, who's now taken on the lead role in the DETR. First of all, step right up, right?
1: <laughs> exactly. I know, and that's what I talked to her about. I said, man, what a time to be the head of an organization. Right. <laughs> we getting an unprecedented amount of claims with so many people out of work. Um, so it's really an unfortunate time and definitely a stressful time for her. And she officially started her post last week, so she's been in there for about a week now. And, you know, she's well aware of the issues that are going on. And so, you know, for her, she said her number one goal is to really get everyone's claims processed as soon as possible. She's aware of all the delays, the difficulty people have been having in calling and emailing and just getting in touch with someone, a physical person, (laughs) instead of hearing, you know, that that busy signal. Um, So one thing that she has been able to push for, which Governor Sisolak announced uh, today, is being able to more quickly hire folks to join the office, Um, and that's anything from adjudicators to folks that would help uh, at the call center. Um, She's also hoping to use the Alorica call center to uh, train those folks within the next couple days to help uh, process claims instead of just answering general questions. Um, so she feels like those are some of the things that will help kind of alleviate the issues that the department is facing.
0: I think so. I was speaking with Sabrina Hudson from the RJ Business Reporter. Right. And that's the one that's based in California, correct?
1: Exactly. Yep. In Orange County.
0: Now, I haven't had to go through the system, obviously, because I'm still working. But what I've heard from people is that those folks at this new call center were unable to give anybody any information beyond what was already available on the website. Is that the kind of thing you're hearing, too?
1: that's exactly what I've been hearing and what's making people even more frustrated which is completely understandable is a lot of the information that that call center was sharing were things that people either already knew before they were calling in or things that they could just find themselves on the website and most of the folks calling in of course at this point you know they have very specific issues with their claims um, and are trying to figure out what the holdup is but you know these the call center wasn't able to answer any of those specific
0: questions yeah that makes it difficult we're speaking with sabrina hudson business reporter for the rj uh, one of the other questions that i had that a lot of people have sent to me is the idea that they get up in the morning they call and by you know seven o'clock eight o'clock in the morning whatever time it's supposed to open they say the queue is full for the day they can't get a hold of somebody some people have called hundreds of times why isn't the call center working 24 hours a day, like, you know, if I want to order a dress in the middle of the night from some company, I could probably get somebody on the phone even now. Why can't they do that? Has that been discussed? And what's the situation with that?
1: You know, I, I honestly, am not sure why they haven't considered doing 24 hours. But again, you know, based on my conversation with Heather, it's really a staffing issue, which they're hoping to fix very quickly, especially after today's announcement. Um, it, it's just, and even she hinted that it's not just not having enough people, the telephone system's outdated. So, what they're trying to do right now is move to a cloud based system so that they will be able to actually handle a higher call volume compared to now. So, hopefully, when that transition gets done, which um, I don't have a timeline on, unfortunately, but hopefully it's soon. Uh, folks won't have to be hearing a busy signal or getting prompted to join a queue, but then they're never actually asked to join that queue, uh, which is another – concern that folks have been telling me that they've been
0: having. Yeah. It's so it's such a, a horrible situation to be stuck in that. So when it comes to this, the 24 hour, uh, you know, the uh, having people on board, I understand they don't have the staff and hopefully they're going to be staffing up to a certain extent. You know, in fairness to the governor, I'm not a fan of the governor. I'm not asking you to comment on the governor. Of course, in fairness to him, nobody expected this. And in fairness to the woman who ran a DETR before, Heather Korbulik, I have no idea whether she was competent or not. I don't know whether she was a fall guy. don't even want to comment on that because this is an unprecedented situation, right? But it seems to me that now that you've got... So many people waiting. This should be priority. You've got people, especially we'll get to the independent contractors, but you've got people who have not been able to get through to unemployment for two months, or they'll be told that it got stuck someplace. Uh, And some people get stuck because they have PTO time, things like that. Did that come up at all in your conversation with her?
1: It did. So I mean, honestly, and I agree. You know, no state. I mean, Nevada is not alone in this. No state could have anticipated. the the amount of claims that they would be receiving during this time. I know initially, you know, I really felt for the department because they're just coming out of the recession. They had, you know, we had record record low unemployment before all of this craziness. And so no one really could have prepared themselves for this kind of volume. But I do, like you said, you know, we're, what, two months in, a little over two months in, and, you know, folks are still waiting to get their first paycheck. Um, so I know for Heather, like that is her goal is to basically just, you know, process as many claims as she can and and kind of help push things forward.
0: Yeah. It's so, so difficult. We're speaking with Sabrina Hudson, business reporter for the RJ. She's been following this unemployment situation. Now the independent contractor situation really kills me because I used to be an entertainer here in Vegas. I have a ton of friends who are singers, musicians, actors, dancers, all these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And they are just stuck. And they haven't gotten a dime. I know you've heard these stories. They haven't gotten a dime. And many of them were having problems with gigs late February, early March, gigs being canceled left and right. So it's been over two months for them. And in fairness to the governor, once again, this was something that wasn't done previously, the independent contractor thing. But why don't we have it up and running? Do other states have it up and running? What's the latest on that?
1: I know a handful of other states have already started their system, like California, for example, started theirs recently, um, and they created a separate website for gig workers to start applying um, for benefits. For Nevada, um, when I spoke with Heather, she said it would be at least another 10 days before they can have the system set up. Uh, But I think one thing to, to remember is, This has never been done before, no state has ever done this. This isn't a normal thing to do, so what you're essentially asking the unemployment office to do is to create an entire program from scratch for workers that are not in the system. When you look at traditional unemployment benefits, Dieter already has information from employers because they get quarterly wage reports. There's nothing like that for, for gig workers. So, it, you know, it's one thing to set up the system, but then you have to go in and think, okay, well, how do we verify how much in taxes these employers paid, how much these folks have been making, what kind of documents do we need to verify this information? Um, so, you know, I'm surprised that they're getting it done in, in 10 days, at least that's what they say. Um, but it, it's just, it's a lot. And, you know, I definitely feel for the gig workers who have been waiting. Um but, you know, it is a very complicated system and a system that does require a lot of work.
0: Yeah, that's true. We're speaking with Sabrina Hudson, business reporter for the RJ. And to your point, it is difficult because, listen, let's face it. There are some gig workers who work under the table. Uh, they, get, right. they take their gigs in cash. Some of them don't file taxes for years. Some do. I'm, many of them do, but a lot of them don't. Uh, can be a little, uh, you know, less than forthcoming when it comes to that. So when they're trying to look into how much income they're going to replace, I mean, for some of these people, $1,000 a week would be a lot more than they're <laughs> making, which, right. you know, it, once again, there should be something offered to them because it's not their fault that they're not working. But like you said, right. not being in the system, not, not having a company who's paid into this in the system, that makes it be- much more difficult. So I, I just... Uh, I feel for them so much now how did california do it did they just create a, spe- a separate website for this i mean how they have a lot of gig workers there obviously i know you're from there but they got a lot of gig workers clearly actors and, and people like that well, what are they what, you said they have the system in place what's it look like
1: um Based on what I know and what I have heard, uh, it's a separate website that they have set up, and so people would submit documentation kind of showing what their wages have been. Um, I know that it hasn't been very smooth, (laughs) which, of course, you can anticipate uh, when you're creating a whole new site to process unemployment claims from a new group of folks. But um, it seems to be something that that is working for them. I'm just not sure how is gonna be setting it up, whether it's a separate separate website or if ours is gonna be kind of incorporated into the existing um, platform that we have now.
0: Uh, so let's say you were in a show in Vegas and we know how much money you were making in the show. You know, theoretically, that the producer of the show is paying you a certain amount of money. Those people would be different than these folks who go from gig to gig to gig to gig to gig, right?
1: Exactly, so in terms of the details of how they're going to verify, you know, what income folks are having in order to determine what their um their pay would be um that part i'm not sure but yes it it would definitely be different for folks who you know, or like you said, jumping from gig to gig versus those who may have a little bit more documentation as to, to what kind of income they're receiving.
0: Yeah, this is such a tough time. We're speaking with Sabrina Hudson. She's a business reporter for the RJ. So I know you hear from readers constantly because you're writing on these things. What, what are they saying to you? They're telling you just kind of the same stories I've been mentioning or hearing other things? What, what do you hear?
1: Uh. Frustration, I mean, that's the biggest thing. Is there are folks just really losing their patience. I mean, I remember when I first started covering this a couple months ago, um, most people were pretty understanding of the the hurdles that Dieter was facing at that time. Um, but now, you know, we're, like I said, over two months in, and people are starting to lose patience. There's people who haven't been paid for weeks, and they have had to sell had one woman who had to sell her engagement ring to try to meet this month's rent. Um, So, you know, there's a lot of people that are getting more desperate the longer that this takes. Um, And so frustration is really, really the big thing.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be very tough. I remember seeing the very first week, literally one week after things started closing down, there was that long line of cars waiting to get food at Palace Station. And that line has gotten progressively longer every single Thursday that I pass it. Now people are waiting at five in the morning when they don't even start giving out the the food till eight o'clock in the morning. I mean, it is really getting desperate for a lot of people. And it's, you know, the thing that's so frustrating is it's not, it's not, and it's not the governor's fault. Okay, it's not the governor's fault that this happened. I understand that. And it's not their fault that they're out of work. But And they don't know. And once again, not the governor's fault. If shows can't open, I don't even know who'd go. That's the whole point. So uh, concerts and those kind of venues, who's even going to go to them? We don't we don't know. And the last thing we need here in the state of Nevada, and I'm not asking you to give an opinion on this because I know you're a reporter. But the last thing we need is to open everything up and have there be some kind of a, you know, hot spot of COVID. And then we close down permanently. So I understand the concern that a lot of people have for some of these large venue locations. It makes sense
1: exactly and i know you know even with economists that i i've spoken with for the stories that i've been covering around unemployment you know their concern is not just now it's okay what happens toward the end of this year is there going to be another spike what's going to happen to these folks once their benefits run out once, once these programs are up toward the end of this year you know will another stimulus bill get pushed through Um, So it's a lot of uncertainty as to to what's going to happen, you know, moving forward. Yeah,
0: it's pretty scary. Now, another thing that I believe has changed, correct me if I'm wrong here, initially when you filed for unemployment, you you didn't have to verify that you were actually looking for a job. What do they call that? The job search requirement? Do I have that right?
1: The work search waiver yes
0: okay so initially you had to do that you had to you know and most of the time when you're on unemployment you have to say i'm looking for a job well that was waived right initially but now right. they're going back to you having to say you're looking for work correct
1: well that one i am not too sure so what i do know right now is that that work search waiver has uh so folks can suspend the work search waiver until the 16th of this month okay uh, After that, I'm not quite sure because, you know, we're already in phase one of reopening. So, I don't know at this point whether it's going to get extended again because it has been extended twice before. Okay. So yeah, it's still unclear, but people have at least until the 16th to continue uh, waiting that
0: work search. Yeah, and it's it's tough because there are folks who we've heard these stories. They're making more money on unemployment than they would make in their real job, and of course we right. know that's going to run out in July, unless they extend it. I don't know how long they can extend it. You're going to be paying that bill, Sabrina. By the way, I hope you appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> Twenty years from now, you're going to pay it. Uh, but it, it's a it's a real problem because once people once it's to me it's like musical chairs. Eventually, the last chair is going to get picked up. Everyone's going to run for the exits, and if you have been sitting on your butt at home, and I'm not putting people down who are unemployed through no fault of their own, but if you don't want to go back to work because you think you're making more money, when that runs out, I think there'll be even fewer jobs than, you know, there would be if you started looking now.
1: Right, and I I have spoken with some business owners who, you know, that's a real concern for them. Even now, when things are starting to open up, uh, I had one business owner speak with me last week, and he said, you know, if someone's making more on unemployment he doesn't blame them for not wanting to to come back to work um but it does put him in a position where it makes it difficult in trying to fill those positions but i I think there are so many people in the state that are wanting to hurry and get back to work um that like you said you know the ones who decide to wait will probably have a harder time finding a job
0: yeah, and I see also that Congress is in a little bit of a pickle here because I guess when, and I don't know all the details of this stuff, a lot of people don't, but the, the this paycheck protection thing where they were able to get loans, right. that's contingent on them being able to employ a certain amount of people. So if you had 25 people who work for you, you've got to have 25 people who go back to work. And if people say, I don't want to come back to work, then potentially that could put that employer in a position where they have to pay that whole loan back, right? And what, what, are, you, what are you hearing about that?
1: It does um, and with that program, it, it's kind of tricky. It, it's really based on bodies, how many people, like you said, if if they claim they have twenty five employees and that's what the the funding that they receive through that program, if they don't have twenty five, then yes, it does put them in a position where that loan won't be forgiven. Um, but it also encourages them to try to hire people quickly because you know if they have two employees, you decide, hey, I'm not going to come back. Um, then they're going to go out and try to fill those two positions.
0: Well, that's good because so that was my question because, uh, as I understand it, to, to your point, it's not the same 25 people necessarily. It's the same. Exactly. It, it's the number. It's not the people. So that, that helps, exactly. and that's true. And if you, if you say, no, I'm not coming back, then they're going to say, well, fine. and Then we'll find somebody else, and then by the time you decide right. and your checks run out and you want to go back to work at that restaurant or whatever, you're
1: out of luck. Exactly,
0: exactly. Uh, what a mess. Well, listen, Sabrina, thanks for taking the time with me. We'll talk again. I appreciate what you're doing. I'm reading your stories and trying to keep up. There's so much news coming at, at us all the I time know. with this crazy, unprecedented time. And, uh, I mean, if you told me two months ago, told you told anybody two months ago, it would be like this. I'd have called you a liar. Right,
1: exactly. I would not believe you. <laughs>
0: I know. I tell my friends, my friends who live in other states, and they'll say, well, how's Vegas? I say, you can't even, I can't explain it. I can't explain (laughs) the town where when I drive to work at my radio station, which is on the Strip, I drive there every morning. There's nobody there except me, one other car, a couple construction people, and cop cars. That's it. I know. It's It's very crazy. (laughs) Yes, it's crazy. We all want to get back to work, and I know that a lot of jobs are never coming back. I mean, we all know that. We don't know how bad it's going to be for how long, uh, but certainly all we can do is try to get some information. And uh, Now, where can people, they, they go to the DETR website, right, if they're looking for information on unemployment?
1: Exactly. And when they go to that website, they'll see it highlighted in red. It says COVID-19 unemployment insurance information. And they just click that and it will update um, information as to what people can expect and when some of these provisions, for example, the gig worker site, um, it'll explain when that's going to kick in.
0: Okay. Well, that's good. We're doing the best we can, I guess. Thank you, Sabrina. Appreciate it. We will talk again.
1: Of course, thank you. thank
0: you. I'm Heidi Harris. Don't forget to join me for my live radio show five days a week, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. on KMZQ in Las Vegas. You can follow me Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Heidi Harris Show, Heidi Harris Show, Heidi Harris Show, or check out HeidiHarris.com. Until we meet again, remember you were created for a purpose. Here's Tony Scottwell. <laughs>